Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 180 called Chauncey. Today's episode is sponsored by The Class. The Class is a fun and challenging workout that combines strength training, cardio, and mindfulness to help you feel better. I've been a huge fan of The Class since 2020, and I know you guys will be super interested in The Class's recent fertility series backed by CCRM. Here's the deal. Whether you're curious about conceiving or actively trying to have a child, the Fertility Series strengthens your mind-body connection so you can maintain your well-being wherever you are on your fertility journey. The series includes conversations, meditations, and no-impact workouts that emotionally and mentally support you where medicine, society, and well-meaning loved ones fall short. One in three teachers at the class have faced fertility challenges, and they're here to tell you their stories. The meditations will help you move energy, regulate your nervous system, and calm your mind for phases when movement is not advisable or stillness is needed. And the no impact workout is a toned down version of the class without jumping and extreme twisting. So guys, definitely check out the class. I'm obsessed. I can't recommend it highly enough. The best part is that Infertile AF listeners can get an exclusive 30-day free trial by going to theclass.com slash infertile AF. 30 days for you guys. Go to theclass.com slash infertile AF. I'm so excited for you guys to try it. Definitely drop me a line when you guys do and let me know what you think. I'm obsessed. And like I said, I can't recommend it highly enough. So 30 days free by going to theclass.com backslash infertile AF. Thanks to the class and thank you guys. All right, guys. So today I'm talking to Chauncey Ellis, who you guys might follow on Instagram at Chauncey Ellis. She is a miscarriage awareness advocate and she is wonderful. And she's going to tell us today about her miscarriage story. She had two miscarriages. And so she's going to talk about both of those. They were both very different and how she got through those things that helped her after she lost her babies and dealing with the grief and all of that stuff. So she knows that it's very important for her to share her losses. That's how she feels. And I'm so glad that she is talking about all this stuff. And I hope it helps anybody out there who's going through that right now. So thank you to Chauncey. And without further ado, this is Chauncey's infertility story. So, hey, Chauncey, thank you so much for doing this. I'm really excited to talk to you. I was just saying we've never really met live. I think I've DM'd you a couple of times or back and forth, but it's so great to finally meet you officially. It's so good to meet you too. It's kind of fun to meet like people on Instagram. I know. I feel like I've seen your posts for the last couple of years (laughs) since I've been pretty active in Instagram. And I know you have a big following and you're really into, you know, miscarriage awareness and life after loss. So Let's start at the beginning with you. Did you always want to have kids? Yeah, I did actually. I I grew up with a family of eight kids. So, and seriously, I have like 50 cousins on both sides of my family. So we have, yeah, like I've been babysitting and doing all that my whole life. Okay. (laughs) So So where do you fall in the birth order? So I am the fifth. So there's four older and three younger. So like kind of in the middle. Okay. And middle child syndrome is real. <laughs> okay. So how, what did that look like for you? 
Um, you know, I have always been the more responsible type of personality. And so I think I just always put my feelings on the back burner my Mm -hmm. whole entire life. So I had siblings that needed more attention and I was like, they need it. You got it. And I will just take a step back and be quiet and feel my feelings alone kind of a thing. So, yeah. Is it still like that for you today or has it, have you evolved and changed as you've gotten older? Yeah, I've definitely changed. I would say about two years before all of my pregnancy loss, um, I decided to dive into personal development and I really learned about myself and I discovered that I matter and that my, my way of like putting myself on the back burner wasn't serving me. And it's extremely interesting how everything has unfolded because I believe if I didn't go through that, I would not be where I am. Um, in my journey and even being able to speak about it because I did not talk about my feelings with certain people. Let's talk about, you know, fast forwarding a bunch. When, when did Mm -hmm. you start to try to have babies and what happened? So I, I feel like I have to start with my first daughter and she will be 10 in April. So we have a huge gap. Um, I got pregnant with her unexpected at 20 Mm -hmm. and it obviously happened like you know when that happens you're like I'm so lucky wow life is great Mm -hmm. um and I had her and I thought you know we're not in a place to ever like have a baby again this is just too hard Mm -hmm. I'm not married at the time sorry no okay I wasn't Uh no and I grew up in a very strong religion So that was a huge dynamic that was it, that was really tricky. So I've now realized that I have trauma even in that it's kind of crazy, but yeah, so she came and I think it was about seven years later that I decided maybe we should try and have a baby. Uh And I thought, I mean, my mom had eight kids and no losses. And so I just thought that that's going to be easy for me. <laughs> right. Can we backtrack a little bit? And if you're comfortable, can, we, can you talk about your religion and how that came into play? And if you don't want to, that's totally fine as well. But yeah. So my religion, I was um, raised LDS uh-huh. and that is basically where we are not supposed to have sex until we're married. Okay. So that's um, Latter-day Saints. That's what that stands for, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. the Latter Day Saints. Uh-huh. Yeah, I haven't gone to church for a while, so okay. <laughs> I, I'm I kind of forgot some of the stuff, but uh-huh. um, yeah. So that was, I mean, it's super interesting because a year before that, before I got pregnant with Evie, my first daughter, mm-hmm. my parents got divorced, and so the dynamic of my family really changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny because I find that probably to my advantage when I got pregnant, because I was to the point where I was like, okay, I got pregnant. It's fine. Like I don't even live with my parents at this place. They're not even married. Like we're mm-hmm. good. Uh-huh. And I just kind of didn't care. Uh-huh. And, but, it, but there's a lot of underlying things that, you know, still affect you right. being raised super religious and, and rules like really strict. So, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, okay. So back to where you were saying, so then about seven years later, you said you, you were decided to start to try again. Yeah. So 
basically what happened, it's kind of weird how all of this unfolded. I, I'm big on dates, so I'm just going to say the dates. It's just easier to explain things that way in my mind. So I remember, I think it was in 2019 in March. I remember somebody had said to me, you guys make the cutest babies. When are you going to have more? Mm -hmm. And people had said that to me a lot because we do have a really pretty baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Evie was really cute. So I got that all the time. But that struck me differently than it ever had before. And I was like, why are you asking me? It's not even your business. And mm-hmm. little do you know, I want to have a baby, but I feel like it's not even like possible, like financially, like my mental state, like all of these things mm-hmm. that kind of planted a tiny seed. And one night I, it was the night before Evie was turning eight and I had this dream And I was laying in my bed and I remember it was kind of like an outer body experience. I was basically watching myself in labor. Oh, wow. I remember I was, I love (laughs) that. It was insane. I remember watching myself like I was watching a movie, like, oh my gosh, I'm having a baby and Mm -hmm. there's a midwife and I'm in labor and I'm happy and I'm smiling and this isn't terrible. Like, And then in my dream, I get up and I go to the bathroom and my water breaks. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh no, she's coming. Get everybody up here, whatever. And this baby falls out of me literally on the floor. And I look at her and I was like, oh my gosh, she is beautiful. She looks just like Maisie. And that's my niece. Mm -hmm. And I woke up from that dream and I was like, holy cow, like, that does not feel like a normal dream. Like I think there's a baby that's supposed to come to me. Oh my God. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know how this is going to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. how are we going to have a baby? So I think I told Anderson, I tell him and he's like, yeah, well, we're not having another baby. I'm like, okay, fine. And then two weeks later, this girl on Instagram shares she's having a baby with a midwife at a birthing center. And I come from a a mom who had a lot of us at home. So I've watched some of my siblings be born. And that was something I always wanted to do, but it felt, yeah, it just felt out of reach. So I see this girl, she's like, I'm, I'm due this weekend. I'm having my baby at this birthing center and stay tuned. So I was like, all right. And it's honestly someone I don't even really watch very much, Mm -hmm. but she's local. Um, She has a big following around Utah. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm like, well, I'm following her this weekend. And on Saturday night or something, she posts this live of her literally in labor, having her baby with this midwife at this birthing center. And I was watching this and I was watching the midwife and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to have a baby here. Like, this is crazy. How's this going to happen? I have no idea. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And I literally emailed her and I said, hey, how do I like, if I get pregnant, I'm not even trying, but if I do, I want you to be my midwife. How does that work? And I looked up the prices and everything. Okay. And that's kind of where all of this began is I now had to like talk to Anderson and say, Hey, like, I really, really think we're supposed to have a baby here and it is possible. Like we can do this. And, Mm -hmm. and I know who I want to do it with. So I'm like planning it all out, you know, just having this perfect plan. 
of how it's going to go. So did you Um, feel like there was like some higher power or something talking to you, like sending you like a message, like from the universe or whatever it may be? um, Yeah, I am. I, I am. This is, I mean, I'm extremely spiritual. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting. I grew up religious and it feels like those two are the same, but they're completely different in my mind. So yeah, I definitely felt like there is this baby. And I told Anderson, I have a feeling our baby is going to come whether we're trying or not. And I always said, because I felt like I got this trying experience taken away from me when I like got pregnant on like not planned. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said, I want to try next time. Like I want to be able to experience that. Okay. So what happened next? I was like, I'm ovulating on Thursday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's try. And I didn't get pregnant that month. So now I'm experiencing for the first time, like trying and then having that letdown of like, Mm -hmm. I think I'm pregnant. So in May is when we tried again and I decided to track my period differently. And I started like searching and like having conversations. So I'm a lash artist. And so I'm with women all day long. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking to them about like, these things that I probably didn't ever talk about before because I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't trying before. So I pinned down this ovulation. I find out in June that I'm pregnant Mm -hmm. and I, we tell Evie right away. Mm -hmm. So there's her reaction. She was really excited. She has always wanted a sibling. She Mm -hmm. Ever since she could talk, she called everybody her brother and sister. Like her cousins were her sisters. Like she was literally born to be a sister. So not having a sibling so close to her age felt like I was failing her because I grew up with a big family and so did Anderson. Like we had siblings every two years. Mm -hmm. So here's little Evie, this only child that has two introverted parents (laughs) and she's a social (laughs) butterfly. Like we're just holding her back, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. She is so excited. Like her dreams are coming true now. Mm -hmm. And so I tell my family, um, oh, so backtrack. There's this girl that I went to hair school with and um, she ended up having a lot of miscarriages. And I remember following her account, obviously not knowing what it really meant, but she shared something. Her name is Trisha Bell. Mm -hmm. And she shared something on Instagram one time after one of her losses. And she said, every baby deserves to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot that. So when I got pregnant, I knew there was obviously a chance that I could have a miscarriage, but that doesn't happen to me. So it's fine. And I'll deal with it when it happens Mm -hmm. is kind of what I, that's kind of what I said. And I wasn't saying it in a rude way. It was just like, I'll deal with it if it happens. And we're going to just celebrate this baby because it's coming. And, you know, so I shared that pregnancy at eight weeks. I was eight weeks along Mm -hmm. and that felt like I couldn't even be myself on my social media because I was like keeping a lie. And (laughs) I mean, that's what it felt like. Right. Were you pretty Um, active on social media at this point? Yeah. 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 I had done social media. Um, My social media was like 
a lot of personal development and fitness mm-hmm. and um, eating healthy ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's kind of what my page was at this point. And yeah, so I, I share and, and I think it was around 10 weeks. We had a family reunion and I started feeling better. I was like, yay. Like I'm almost to the second trimester and I would have like two bad days, one good day, two Mm -hmm. bad days, one good day. So I'm like, I think that we're doing good. But at the birthing center, um, you only get one ultrasound, which feels very weird. So you get your ultrasound at 20 weeks. So I hadn't even gone to the doctor until 12 weeks or to the midwife until I was 12 weeks pregnant. Okay. So it's just a little bit different. So you're kind of just trusting your body. And uh-huh. were you nervous um, at all? Um, I think in the back of my mind, now that I think about it, I always had this feeling of I could have a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I always got stuck on, I never could understand what I would do if I had a miscarriage, but I always felt fe- this feeling. What if I have a miscarriage? Mm-hmm. And then I would just be like, it's fine. We're moving on. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't ever completely get to the end because I always got stuck at the miscarriage thing. It's super weird. I don't know. Now that I think of it, I'm like, wow, that's super interesting. Like, of course I planned this baby in my life, mm-hmm. but I skipped some of the pregnancy in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but mm-hmm. so yeah, I did have some nerves of hoping that there's a heartbeat when I finally get to go at 12 weeks, you know? Right. And there was a heartbeat at 12 weeks. And now it's like you're in the safe zone. Like you're practically not going to lose your baby. Right. (laughs) You don't really hear about that anymore. Exactly. Was that a relief when you finally heard the heartbeat? Oh, totally. Yeah. Like best thing ever. And I remember saying, I want to record it. And Anderson said he had a really hard time feeling like he could love somebody the same as Evie. And so he just felt bad. Like if we didn't record Evie's then we can't record this baby. Mm-hmm. So we okay. didn't record it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot. Interesting. About that. Yeah. yeah. And so I had that appointment. I stopped getting sick around that 10 week mark. I also kind of remember feeling like my belly wasn't really growing, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like bloating kind of stops and that like, And then it's like the real baby is going to start to grow. So at 15 weeks, I think it's five days, I started having like, oh yeah, I remember I, we were in Del Taco and I had this sharp pain Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, that was super weird. I better not have a miscarriage. And then I just moved on. Yeah. (laughs) Then the next day, or it might've been that night, I went to the bathroom and I saw like light, light pink or brown, just like almost like mucus, mm, like, mm-hmm. but just a tiny, tiny bit, like a little streak. And I was like, um, I don't like that, but okay. And I text my midwife and she said, it's probably okay. Sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. I think I had spotting around eight weeks, which was kind of, um, weird and stressful, but it ended up being okay, obviously. Mm-hmm. So and with Evie, I had zero spotting at all, wow, never yeah. once. And so I feel like I'm that's like, so this... scary. Like anytime they're spotting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you you hear blood, 
And that means like loss. Mm-hmm. But then right. they're like, well, but maybe it's not. Let's just wait it out. It's like, right. okay. Right, right. So, exactly. Yeah. So I wake up and it's a Wednesday morning and I have more blood. And I was like, shoot. I tell my midwife and she said, okay, let's just wait. And I said, okay. And I work all day and I kind of forget about it, you know. And then Thursday morning, I think there must have been more because now I'm on the phone with her. And she said, we, we were texting and she said, Chauncey, I think at this point you need to get an ultrasound. And I said, how serious is this? Because I have to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I take my job really seriously. That's part of my responsibility, like personality to a mm-hmm. flaw, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, she she calls me and she says, Chauncey, I don't know if your baby's okay. I can't tell you if your baby's okay, but I think that it's important for you to get an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And with midwives, they really hand it over to you. Like you get to make a lot of decisions. So I was like, all right, well, oh, there's something I've never shared before, but I had a yeast infection throughout my pregnancy, which is pretty normal for me. Like that just happens. Uh I've always had that in my life. And I remember talking to my midwife and I said, is it okay if I take medicine? And she said, yes. And then my mom was like, well, you can just take some of mine. You don't have to go to the doctor. And I was like, Mm -hmm. are you sure this is okay to take when you're pregnant? Mm. What was it? Do you remember? I think it's Diflucan. Okay. Which apparently isn't okay to take when you're pregnant. Oh, wow. So I, I've been taking that. The dose that my mom gave me, which is not from a doctor. I was just trying to save money. And my midwife, I said, well, I have had a yeast infection and I took medicine. And she said, what did you take? And I said, well, and I told her and she was like, oh no, that's not, you need to stop taking that right away. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, like, did I just like kill my baby (laughs) because of this? Yeah. So scary. (sighs) Yeah. So I, I have that. And then I'm like, I have to work two clients this morning. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, what if, what if my baby isn't dead, but I have like damaged this baby. And now, and now I'm like, holy cow. Like now I get why people do like termination mm. because of something and, and it would be my fault like how could I have done this and it's yeah. like the most but it's just the most horrible like disgusting feeling you could ever feel because yeah. you're like I tried to save money <laughs> to take medicine that probably wouldn't have even cost like $25 I get it I get it though that's I mean there's, <sighs> it's there's so many expenses when it comes to this stuff so yeah yeah. And I'm self-employed. So like, I don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. So it's like an even extra big expense at this point. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, I'm going to work and I'm going to go to the ultrasound. And the first client, I remember she just talked about her life the whole time. And I was just like, I don't care. I love my clients and I always <laughs> listen to them. <laughs> right. But I was like, I cannot focus. Like I get it. Yeah. I literally can't think about you. Like my baby... I might be going into labor this weekend. Like, I don't even know what's about to happen. Right. And my next client, thankfully, um, she has experienced loss. And I told her, I said, gosh, like, this is what's happening. And I took this medicine and I feel so bad. And like, what if I did something to my baby? And like, 
the shame and the embarrassment, obviously I haven't even ever really shared it. Mm. Um, because like, that's really crazy. So it's not crazy. I think it's really relatable actually. And thank you for sharing that. Well, and, and I know there's so many pieces and that's, we'll get into that, but that's why I share is because of these things. Like Mm -hmm. I never understood. I had my own beliefs on like, I guess, termination or abortion. And I always said someone else can do it. But if it came to my life, I wouldn't do it, but I Mm. would love the people anyway. And here I am like being faced this. And I don't even know for sure yet, but I'm like, I have like, I prejudged and I never understood what that actually would look like. Right. Right. And it's just, it puts yourself in a position that you would never imagine Mm -hmm. being in. Mm-hmm. So I go to the ultrasound, we drive to it and I am just like, no hope, like feeling like there's no way my luck is the worst. And Anderson is like, we're fine. We're good. We're good. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. I'm like, okay, we get there. And I remember walking into this birthing center. It's not my normal one, thankfully. And I hear this girl laughing and they're talking and she's excited. And then it's my turn. And I go and I sit down and Anderson was sitting in a chair kind of behind me. So I couldn't even see him. And this, you know, he puts the jelly on, does the whole thing. And I'm looking at my baby and I'm like, my baby's not moving. This is weird. And it probably took him 30 seconds. And he's just like moving it around, doing a little bit of measurements. And he says, I'm so sorry, but your baby's not alive. And God, my heart just sank. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what do we do next? How do we, how do we go from here? Mm -hmm. And he looks at Anderson and he was like, um, oh, I'm so sorry. And I look back there and, and he's just crying. And I was like, oh no. So sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's so hard. It's just interesting because I think that people always think that men are so tough and strong. And Mm -hmm. he cried before me. Mm -hmm. Like, and that was just really crazy to see. Um, And I was just like, well, what, what do I do? Like, I have the baby in me. Like, I don't know what to do. I still have to work today. Like, what the heck am I gonna do? Yeah. What is my weekend going to look like? And he said, you know, I really think that at this point, cause I was, I was 15. Okay. I think I was 15 weeks, six days. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And, and he had said that the baby stopped growing at 11 weeks, five days. But the oh, thing wow. that was so insane is that's literally the day that we went and heard the heartbeat at 12 weeks. Oh, interesting. For my 12 week okay. appointment. So I'm like, we found the heartbeat. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. How how would you even say exactly to the day of my last appointment? Mm-hmm. It's not so weird. Yeah, definitely. So I've just always had this feeling of like it happened in between like the 12 and 13 week, but yeah. because it had been so long, I'm sure that the baby's body was just getting smaller and stuff. I don't know exactly how that works, but yeah. So anyway, I, he was like, he made us pay for it. I was like, this is so stupid. I have to pay a freaking 
money for this ultrasound. Oh just God. My yeah. Baby isn't alive. And that's so rough. Come on. People. I know. I know. I was like, that sucks. So he was like, why don't you step outside? I'm going to call your midwife and then I'll talk to you in a minute. So mm-hmm. another little pregnant mom walks in and she's just holding her belly and just feeling so happy. And I am literally just like, what is my life? What is this? Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it was so crazy. And so I went, I, my midwife wanted me to go back to her, um, to the birthing center. So the ultrasound tech said, you should go to the hospital with you being this far along. It's going to probably be pretty painful. And mm-hmm. I think you should go. But in my mind, I was like, well, if I can have, like avoid that, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Obviously not knowing what my future looks like, but so I go to my midwife and she is super loving and kind and, um, and talks to me and tells me, you know, one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. That's insane. You never heard that before? Never. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is so common. And she wasn't saying it like, this is really common. You shouldn't feel sad. She was like, this is more common than we, than we really realize. And, Mm -hmm. and she said, she looked at me and she said, it's okay to cry. And I was like, I don't want to cry. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to do any of this. And, um, so I had to go and buy some like med, uh, some natural herbs to take to naturally put me into labor. Mm -hmm. So I go to good earth, grab these little tinctures, I plan on taking them. I was like, I'm going to just do my two clients so that I don't have to worry about fitting them in next week or anything. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, I honestly, I regret that, but I hadn't, I texted my mom and I said, Evie's not coming to dance. We just had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm sorry. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I literally pull into my driveway and my client is like here because that's what they do they text me when they're here and I was like oh my gosh I haven't even walked in my house yet and -hmm. you know when people see the pregnant mom what's the first question they ask like how are you feeling and I literally had to tell her for the first time out loud my baby died or I had I'm having a miscarriage and it was like the worst thing yeah to have to articulate that yeah like not and it's like it's real it's happening yeah and and I'm working now and I have to like be professional and um thankfully every client that I had seen that day all had miscarriages before oh wow okay so did it feel better to talk to people who had been through it yes and no because Mm -hmm. one of them said are you gonna try again And I was like, I don't want to try again because I want to have this baby. Like, this is the one that I want. Right. That makes So everybody responds differently. Some people feel different about their losses and, and that's okay. But I was like, I don't want to ever try again. Mm -hmm. I never want to go through this ever again. I'm never having a baby again. Mm -hmm. I will never do this to myself. But my next, one of my other clients, she came in and she brought us dinner and brought me this um, rose quartz, like angel crystal to hold. 
But the thing is, is Evie wasn't even home from school yet. So Evie didn't know mm. anything. And I worked until like six o'clock that night. And so I worked and I got home or I like, I worked from home. So I came downstairs and I, I, we talked to Evie and she already sensed something. She's pretty like intuitive. And, and I just said like, the baby isn't alive anymore. Mm. I don't even remember what she did, to be honest. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm sure she cried. Right. Um, but it's kind of like, doesn't really feel real, you know? And also I totally forgot about this, but our car broke that week on Monday night. Our car oh. just broke. Uh-huh. And I remember feeling really stressed and I like took a shower and I was just kind of like praying. And I was just like, I don't care whatever you have to do. I will do anything. Just make this work out. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like, was I praying like this? I just don't like that. That was just, I don't know. That was just a weird thing. Cause I've never mm-hmm. really done that before. Mm-hmm. So, so that next day, which was a Friday, I started taking that medicine or that those herbs on Thursday night. And on Friday, we went to the car dealership because we needed a car and um, our car broke. So we had to like trade it in. And I only wanted this one car, but it got to the point where I was like, I don't even care what I have. I just want a car that has air conditioning because the car we were driving didn't at like in those like four days. Right. So driving around town, having a miscarriage, all this, we're oh burning hot. Yeah. So anyway, I am at the, at the car dealership, just broken. Like, I don't even want to look at anybody. I don't want to talk. I don't know when I remember bringing a pad thinking, mm-hmm. I hope this doesn't happen in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad that it didn't because I had no idea what was going to happen. Right. So what um, did happen? So I, I get home that night and I text my midwife and I said, you know, there's not really much happening. And she said, okay, I was having like dull cramps. And she said, well, why don't you take two of those tinctures now every like certain amount of hours, a little bit closer together. And I said, okay, so I took it one more time mm-hmm. and, and I started having a lot more cramping and like, now it was like contractions, like they were coming and going and mm-hmm. it's like this. Did they, did they ever give you the option of doing like a DNC and you you said no, or you just would prefer to do it at home or. So I, I really wanted to do it at home because mm-hmm. I felt like I really wanted to have my baby natural. I wanted to have it in this experience. Mm. And I just felt like I didn't really want to, um, give that up. Mm-hmm. I guess that's just what I thought. Yeah. That um, makes sense. And I think if, if more days had gone on, then for sure she would have said, okay, go to the hospital. Right. But I think I probably must have made it seem like I don't want to go to the hospital. So she said, let's do it at home kind of a thing. She did ask like, do you want a doula to be with you? And I was just like, I don't know why that would be weird. But honestly, like it was extremely painful and it was Mm -hmm. hours and hours long. Like, yeah, I think I started having more intense cramps at like eight And it got so bad to where I was like, I need to like do some meditation. I need to do some focusing on something. 
And I took, I had bought a hypnobirthing book and I started listening to it like two weeks before this, which is not really like me because I'm a procrastinator, but I was like, I should listen to that book early. So I had gotten to like one of the med- meditations. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to turn on that book, which was fine. But then it started turning into like, imagine yourself having your baby and like, like a live birth. Right. And it I wasn't was like, like a miscarriage. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're that's done so with this. hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't You're do this. Such a badass though, for doing it on your own at home. Like, <sighs> well, so how long did really the whole scary. thing last and how it did was, you grieve from that? So I, um, around like 10 o'clock, they got really bad. And so I decided I should, I'm going to look up on YouTube miscarriage meditation. I don't know why I thought that, but Mm -hmm. I did. And it was the most amazing thing ever. And that was one of the moments that I was like, I have to share this experience. Oh Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. because other people need this. And so it talks about like envisioning your baby and like holding your baby and loving your baby, but knowing that you don't have your baby. So it, it takes you through this like grieving process. And I remember it was amazing. And I remember at one point I just was like, oh, so it literally put me in like this trance of like, all of a sudden I kind of woke up and I was like, what just happened? Like, Mm -hmm. I think I, it felt like I fell asleep, but I was so deep in meditation. I've never experienced that before. And I remember kind of coming back and I was like, I had this feeling that my baby wasn't coming because I wasn't letting my baby go. Mm. And it must have been something in the in the meditation, but the baby, I remember having this feeling on my shoulder. Like it felt like this hug. And it sounds crazy. I am spiritual. So that's just No, what it, it doesn't sound crazy to me. I think it's very cool. <sighs> so my baby says, I love you, mommy. Mm. And I said, I love you too, and it's okay to go. Mm-hmm. And literally like a minute later, my water burst. Oh wow. Yeah. And I like jumped up and I ran to the bathroom and I, and Anderson is sleeping in the other room with Edie. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything is just pouring out of me. It's like a faucet and it's contractions. And I think some of the sack must have come out first in my underwear. And then mm-hmm. the next contraction, like I looked down and like my baby is coming out. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like afraid to touch my baby, but also like, I'm not going to, I don't really want it to drop in the toilet. So I like grabbed the baby and I text Anderson. I'm like, hurry, come in here. And he was just like, what the heck? Like it was definitely overwhelming for him. And I like in the movies when people cry and you're like, how are they? Like, they're so sad. That's I literally had no other thoughts in my mind, but like, I just remember this cry that was, it was the saddest I've ever felt. Mm -hmm. And I think Anderson felt uncomfortable having the baby and my midwife kind of said like people flush their baby. So we kind of spent a few minutes and, and I took a couple pictures, thankfully. Yeah. And I asked Evie if she wanted to see the baby and she said, yes. And so she came in and saw the baby, but felt very like she didn't 
like it. So she left. And, and after that, like I had so much bleeding, it was just like gushing and gushing. Mm-hmm. So I called my midwife and I was like, is this normal? And she said, well, you need to lay down to help your body. And, and so we go back to bed and then there's a point where I go back to the bathroom and I start bleeding so much that I am passing, like almost passing out and I'm calling Anderson, but I have no energy. I'm like, Anderson, Anderson. So I literally, I'm like, I've got to get to him. And I like get down to the ground and I crawl to him. I'm like, there's something wrong. And we still didn't go to the hospital. I never went to the hospital and I feel like maybe I should have, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. There was so much blood. I know that I was bleeding so much. Yeah. And we just like fed, he looked up like how to like replace that blood, whatever. Anyway, it started to feel better, but I was still having really bad cramping. And for 24 hours I was cramping, but it looked like everything came out and like the next day it was just like in labor all day long. And I'm thinking, how long is this going to last? And it got so bad that I went upstairs and I had to do meditation again. Mm-hmm. And I kind of the same thing where I like kind of went out and I came back and I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. And I go to the bathroom and I sit down and this, um, I'm pretty sure, I don't know what it was, but something big just slipped out of me mm. and I never had a contraction again. I was like, whoa. Thank you for sharing all of that. So I know that that was like your first miscarriage and then you had Mm -hmm. another one, right? Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I had another miscarriage literally four months to the day. Mm. It was crazy. And that one, I was five weeks almost. So Mm. it was just so different. I had so much attachment and like time to feel connected to my other baby. But this one, I only had like a couple weeks Mm -hmm. and it was super weird because we got really, my family, we came really close together with our first loss. And this one, Anderson got frustrated and I had no hope. Mm -hmm. I was bleeding and I'm like, I'm literally having a miscarriage. I'm watching this line go away. Mm -hmm. Like he is telling me, have faith. It's going to be fine. Like we're going to, my mom bled through one of her pregnancies and, and she's fine. And I'm like, yeah, but I know what my body's doing. He didn't see anything physically this time. It was all private in the bathroom. And Mm -hmm. so there it's crazy because I never would ever say that there's every baby matters. There's trauma in everything. And Mm -hmm. the trauma that I have in this loss is that I didn't have connection or the same connection and that I didn't have the same experiences. And I was so in the middle of grieving my first loss that I don't even know if I was able to grieve um, how I should have for my second loss. And that's something that I thought about a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. um, I think it's so interesting. And I know you've, you've put on your Instagram page talking about loss and grief that one thing you said that I think a lot of people can resonate or relate to is there's no time frame for grief and loss, you know, and sometimes it's not linear. It come, it can come in mm-hmm. waves. It can knock you off your feet when you're not expecting it. You know, it's, you never really know how you're going to process going through loss and yeah. dealing with that grief. And somebody, because I shared so soon after, I mean, it felt like I, there's no way I can't share my loss. I'm 16, almost 16 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, 
that to me. I don't remember who it was, but they said, there's no time frame. And I'm so grateful because I would have given myself a time frame. Sometimes I still do. I'm like, why are you still feeling sad about this? Like, it seems like no one else would feel sad. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, why am I doing that to myself? Why do we do that to ourselves? Sometimes Mm -hmm. we need that reminder from somebody else. I think that, you know, you talking about it and being so open about it is really helpful to people. Uh, Yeah. I think so too. I mean, I, if I didn't open up and other people didn't open up to me to show me just how real and devastating this is, um, I don't think I would have been able to grieve my babies the way that I have. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just so grateful for the community um, mm-hmm. because it really allows a space that no other place in the world really allows. Yeah. Um, because there is not, it's not looked at as like a real loss, which is so weird. Like, well, at least your baby wasn't alive or born. And it's like, yeah, I I cannot subscribe to that line of thinking. Never. No, no. It's just so unfair because it's like, but you don't know Mm -hmm. how this is feeling. And Mm -hmm. it's not fair for you to tell me that it's, it's okay. Like, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So tell me about Indigo. Oh, so she is just, it's so funny because when you're pregnant, you know, they're just in your belly. She was a little kicker. Mm -hmm. So sorry, just backtracking a little bit. Did you go through any treatment tip to get pregnant Um, with her? I actually didn't. Okay. I, um, it's, I remember saying, I'm going to try one more time because they usually say like, you need to have three losses before mm-hmm. you can like do anything. And so I was mm-hmm. like, all right. Mm-hmm. So one day, I mean, it's a whole nother story that I'm not going to go into, but I decided like, maybe we should try again. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's really weird is like, I can get pregnant, but I couldn't stay pregnant. And that mm-hmm. was what was confusing. Yeah. That's um, the same as me. Mm-hmm. Really? I had four yeah. losses. Yep. And there's something like, I don't know what it is, how to explain it, but it feels kind of guilty because it's like, I could get pregnant and I don't even know if I can claim like the word infertility because I don't feel like, I don't know, that's a whole nother confusion, but Mm -hmm. because I can, I guess, but then like keeping the baby is another story and it is like, there's nothing uncomplicated about loss and there's Mm -hmm. layers and layers and layers of all of it. And Mm -hmm. Um, pregnancy after loss was the hardest thing. Yeah. Tell me about that. So when did my you, babies. when did you find out you were pregnant again with so, Indigo? Yeah, it was literally almost exactly a year later. I ended up trying again in April. So another year and I got pregnant that first month and I was just like, this isn't going to happen. Like every time I told my midwives early, I didn't tell them early this time. I didn't want to tell people that was kind of sad and confusing, but I couldn't really connect because I was so afraid of losing her. I could not imagine a real life baby at the end. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I started bleeding again. And then honestly, six weeks and, or sorry, 15 weeks and five days, which is exactly how far along I was with my first miscarriage. Um, we named him Echo. I started bleeding Mm -hmm. and it was so weird. Like, why am I bleeding again? Like 
exactly to the day. This cannot be happening to me. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to the hospital. I didn't really want to go, but I kind of felt like I, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just kind of felt like maybe. So we went and I remember going to the ER and was in the middle of COVID. Like you're just like all that stuff on top of these confusing like feelings and and the ultrasound tech comes in and I'm looking and I'm like my baby's not moving like there's no movement oh my gosh my baby is not alive and she says everything's fine Mm -hmm. and I said are you sure where's the baby moving like I don't see it and she's showing me and I'm like I don't see it she's lying to me she's Mm -hmm. gonna walk out and send another doctor in how could she do this to me right you know and I literally still to this day, I didn't see it move. I didn't see her move. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. Did they ultras- hear the heartbeat or was it too early yeah. or what? Yeah. They did. Yeah. They did. Okay. <laughs> she was Did fine. you hear it? No, they didn't turn it on. Okay. Isn't gotcha. that weird? Okay. I wish that she would have. She didn't right. turn on the volume. Oh, okay. Um, and it was like two in the morning. So she got called in. It was late. So poor girl come mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. And I... And then everything was, it was okay medically, but I'm literally feeling like I just had a miscarriage, feeling like there's no way my baby's going to live. Why am I bleeding? There's no answers. This doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I remember just walking around my house that day. I also worked again that day and just feeling so raw and like my baby's going to die, but everyone else is so happy. Mm -hmm. Yay. Everything's good. I'm so glad you're good. And I'm like, but I'm so far from good. I feel like my baby isn't alive. And this is so confusing. Right. And then I started bleeding again at 26 weeks. And I was just like, what is happening? So I had to go to the hospital twice and I could feel her move and everything. And that was a different experience because they're asking me all these questions of how many live births, how many miscarriages and let's, and I was just so um, robotic and I was just like, what is happening to me? Mm -hmm. Why are you treating me? Like my babies don't matter. Like the girl checked me and it was the most painful thing ever. Oh my gosh. And I was just like, get me out of here. I hate this place. Yeah. And I was probably just super triggered feeling like my baby isn't going to live, you know? Yeah. Um, So scary. Yeah. And even up until 40 weeks, I was 40 weeks. And there was one day where she wasn't moving a lot. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if she isn't alive? Like I did all the things to move her and wiggle her. And finally she did. But even in labor, Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine her being alive. Like Mm -hmm. the last few minutes of her being born, her heartbeat went away. And in the video, I say, oh my gosh, something's wrong. I'm so scared. And my midwife goes to check her heartbeat. She didn't even check it first. And like, I felt it before something even happened and she couldn't mm-hmm. find her heartbeat. And I look at her and I was like, oh my gosh, Melissa, what's wrong? Oh my gosh, something's wrong. Oh my gosh. And she says, stand up, Chauncey. We're going to get this baby out right now. And I'm pushing and I'm pushing and she's not coming out. And I'm thinking I'm killing my baby because I can't get her out. I have no energy. Mm. I can't get her out. And finally she came out and she cried right away. 
Mm-hmm. But I still didn't believe that she was alive. Like yeah. it was the craziest thing. I, I totally understand what you mean. And I think so many people who've been through this will totally be able to relate to that too. Yeah. Was there a point I, where you were ever able to kind of relax and accept it and realize like she's here and she's okay and you're okay? Yeah. I watched that video and it was like about seven or eight minutes into the video that finally I stopped asking. I stopped mm-hmm. like snapping out of this weird trance of like, oh, I'm so happy I'm done. And then is she okay? Is she okay? Mm -hmm. And finally I stopped asking. And I think that I could kind of believe that she was okay. Mm -hmm. And that was, it's not like the movies and that kind of sucks. Um, Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely not like the movies. It is (laughs) not like the movies, Chauncey. You're so right. It's so annoying. Yes. And then you feel bad. It's like, I didn't cry when I had Evie. So I thought I will for sure cry with this next baby. No, I didn't cry. I was so scared that she was not going to be okay. And then I was like, I'm so glad I'm not having contractions anymore because I didn't unmedicated and it really hurt. Mm -hmm. But also like, I just want to touch on this. I don't, I didn't know how much trauma I was going to feel in labor based off of my past losses. And Mm -hmm. it was, I did it unmedicated and it was very, very painful. But like the pain that my heart was feeling was like, oh my gosh, I can't even, I can't even explain it. It felt so similar to my miscarriage and feeling like this is what it felt like. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I had a flashback of being in labor with him. And I was like, Oh no. Like I cried so, so many times in my labor because I was so heartbroken. It's the craziest feeling because Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that she's coming and that she's hopefully going to be alive, but I'm devastated that, that he had to go Mm -hmm. and, and my other baby. And yeah, we never named our second, our second miscarriage, but, um, I just feel like that's something that we don't really talk about a ton is like the emotional heartbreak and pain that you experience even with a live birth, like the trauma Mm -hmm. and the PTSD is so real. And it's, I just feel like if you have support, I unfortunately, like my birth team was a little bit switched up at the last minute. And so none of them knew that I had miscarriages. And I remember just wanting to tell them, but I didn't know them. And I didn't. So I was like dealing with it on my own. And I, I had a plan with another midwife, but she had to be at another birth before that started before me. And so my other midwife didn't know that we had a plan of, she was going to say, are you okay mentally and emotionally? And how can I help you, you know, be that support for my heart. Mm-hmm. Like I needed that so much. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand. So, um, well, thank you so much for sharing all of these stories and for just, yeah. you know, being so vocal about life after loss and miscarriage awareness and honoring angel babies. That's, I think it's so yes. important this, before we wrap, is there anything else you might want to say to somebody who's listening, who's going through loss or grieving or, you know, has experienced a miscarriage? Yeah. So I just think that your way is your way. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to look like my way. If you want to talk about it, talk about it, find safe people that will listen and validate. And there is so many of us, unfortunately, that have gone through that, gone through this, that 
are here for you. You don't have to go through it alone, but don't feel guilty if you don't want to talk about it. It's okay Mm -hmm. if you don't. Like, I think we compare ourselves and I talk about it. Some people don't. And it's your baby is just as important if you just hold your baby in your heart. And yeah, I think that that's just really important to remember. All right, friends, thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to Chauncey. You guys can follow her on Instagram at Chauncey Ellis. And I also wanted to remind everybody that the first week of every month, so that's coming up on August 1st, we open the doors to Fertility Rally, which is the community that I co-created that is the thing I wish I had when I was in the shit and in the midst of it. We offer community. We offer 24-7 support. We offer curated events and content for anybody, anybody and everybody navigating their journey to parenthood who's fighting hard to get there. Blair and I have both faced our own infertility struggles, as you guys know, and now we host four support groups a week, or we offer four. We don't host them all, but we offer four. We've got two private Facebook groups. We've got almost 400 global members currently, and we've had more than 2,000 people come through our doors while they were in the thick of it. So we don't call it the worst club with the best members for nothing. Check us out on Instagram at Fertility Rally, or you can go to our website, which is fertilityrally.com. Let me know if you guys have any questions about joining or how this could work for you. Um, You can always DM me on IG at Infertile AF Stories or at Fertility Rally. So definitely join us, guys. Give yourself the gift of support. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you guys next time.